0: Oral questions by members.
1: Member for Speaker.
0: All the right words have been said since the armed attack on a coastal gas link worksite, but this action was just the latest escalation of violence. This government has allowed a legally approved project supported by First Nations all along Highway 16 and down Channel, uh, including the, the Gitga'at Nation and Kikatla to be repeatedly harassed and delayed. The Wet'suwet'en First Nation, which the province has ignored for the past several years, has issued this statement, quote, We call on those who are inviting violent non-Wet'suwet'en people into our territories to withdraw their invitations. We call on their supporters, wherever they are, to stop funding criminal protests and to stop trespassing on our traditional lands, end quote. So my question is to the Premier. When will the Premier stop these protests and get this project completed?
1: Member for Indigenous uh, Relations and Reconciliation. Thank
2: you. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I'd like to thank the member opposite for the question. Uh, Clearly this is a difficult time for all of us in British Columbia. Workers deserve to be safe at their place of employment. As a member indicated during the early morning uh, hours of February 17th, approximately 20 masked and violent attackers wearing camouflage surrounded and attacked coastal gas uh, link workers near Houston, British Columbia. They wielded axes, swinging them at vehicles and through a truck's window and fired flare guns at workers. Mr. Speaker, workers deserve to be safe at work. The attack is absolutely reprehensible. It's a serious and violent criminal act, and our government has emphatically condemned it, as have members from all sides of this House. The member knows that the RCMP uh, RCMP is conducting a thorough investigation to identify and apprehend those responsible. I suggest the members opposite should allow the police to conduct that investigation.
1: Member Farskeen, Supplemental.
2: Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker, and uh,
0: here's the problem. Just like the last incident, nice words don't match the actions. Doug Donaldson, the then minister for this government, stood on the line and provided support for these protesters. The member for Farskeen wrote a letter complaining the RSMP were too mean when workers were basically being held hostage. By protesters. This government has consistently ignored and disrespected elected chiefs and councils letting the protesters know that this government has their back. This isn't just about denouncing violence or reciting what was read in the newspaper. That's obvious. This is about ensuring the rule of law and, more importantly, ensuring that the rule of law is followed. Something that this government has completely failed to do. So, my question to the Premier will the Premier finally support the First Nations along the route and ensure that this LNG export project
2: proceeds smoothly? Minister. Thank you, uh, Honorable Speaker. We make absolutely no assumptions as to who was involved in this event. It's a reprehensible criminal act that the RCMP are investigating as everyone would expect that they would. We have no idea at this stage who was involved in this reprehensible act. I have spoken with Chief Lugie of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation. I note that she made a statement. I note that the carrier Sakani made a statement. We are reaching out to all, in- all sides of this imp- of this uh, dispute, but nevertheless, Mr. Speaker, we have work to do and we will continue
1: to do that work. Member for Skinner, second supplemental.
0: Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And you know what? The, the issue is actually not the violent attack in itself. We know the RSMP have a job to do. This is the issue of government allowing this to happen over the last five years. This is the issue of actually supporting these actions on the pipeline itself. This is the issue of of this government allowing the actions to escalate to the point where workers were put in danger, to the point where RCMP again were put in danger. It's not the first time an RCMP (coughs) member has gotten hurt on his site. We know the RCMP will do their job and investigate. What we're asking about, will the government actually do its job? and allow this project to secede and stop supporting these violent escalations. We have a Minister of the Crown who is supposed to be taking over a new ministry responsible for the, and I quote, the co-management of land and resources of First Nations, end quote. This same minister has been criticising the RSMP for their efforts to resolve this crisis. Now we're supposed to believe that the Minister of State for Lands and Natural Resources was wearing a different hat when it comes to resolving these violent attacks on coastal gasoline workers. Just like the Minister of Citizen Services, he continues to evade and rely on technicalities to have it both ways. To the Minister of State, how can we continue to believe that this government and this minister won't keep trying to have it both ways now that this conflict has turned violent?
2: Minister. Mr. Speaker, through you to the honourable member, we do not jump to conclusions, and I would urge all members not to do so as well. We do not know what happened. We are, that is in the hands of the RCMP. This is a serious, heinous criminal act that has been committed. We accept that. We also understand, to the member's point, the, that the CGL project has the relevant permits. We are doing what we can in this regard. We have been negotiating with the proper rights and title holder. We would hope we can do so as well. This act is, is something that should be left to the RCMP. We should not jump to conclusions in this place. Leader of the Official Opposition.
3: Well, thank you very much, and to the Minister. It's about how the conditions have been allowed to evolve. It's fine to have words now, but over and over again, this, this government was missing in action. But when they weren't missing in action, let's take a look at the uh, failures of the Minister of State for Lands on this file. Certainly no one can forget his comments about Roy Jones Jr., a hereditary chief of the Haida, and Anita McPhee of the Taltan. Those were words not forgotten. On February the 10th, 2019, here's what the Minister of State said, and I quote, If CGL proceeds before the issues of rights and title of the Wet'suwet'en have been sorted, we will be throwing their rights away." He was then paid $250 an hour to do that, but failed to accomplish anything. Yet when things get messy between those who oppose the pipeline and elected leaders who support it, He sided with the protesters. So much for the words of the minister previously. He sided with the protesters. As he did in December, when what did he do? He wrote a letter criticizing the RCMP. So does the minister of state take any responsibility at all for his failure to accomplish anything other than collecting over $100,000 of taxpayer money?
1: Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation. Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I'd like to thank
2: uh, the, the member opposite for this, this question. I think we all agree that this is an extremely complex issue. We're trying to balance provincial law with Wet'suwet'en law. We are trying to f- do so in the context of an approved project through their traditional territory. We're trying to address the implications of colonialism, that the. Dec- the issue of the Delgamuuk decision, which for so long has been ignored by governments. We are trying to put meat on the bones of that decision to do what we should have done 25 years ago. And it's hard, Mr. Speaker, it is very difficult. We acknowledge that. And there have been incidents in the territory. But that doesn't mean we should stop this historic work. It means we should accelerate it. We should get on with this work. We are urging our partners to do so as well. We have met with the elected chiefs. We have met with the hereditary chiefs. We've been invited to the territory back in September, which we did, to meet with the hereditary chiefs. We have work to do, the federal government and the provincial government, and, Mr. Speaker, we will not be deterred. We will continue to do this
1: historic work. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental.
3: Well, I think the part the Minister missed was that the NDP have mishandled this file from the beginning. And let's be clear, the Minister of State was missing an action outside the House, and apparently he's missing an action in the House today, instead of standing up and actually explaining why he sided with protesters. That's on his watch. Those are his words and you bet the uh, the people of British Columbia expect this government to do something. Let's just look at the fact that two NDP cabinet ministers were paid over $246,000 to work on this complicated problem. No one is suggesting that governing isn't hard and that this isn't a complex issue. But an MOU was signed over two years ago that was described at the time as historic, and that it was a momentous agreement. But guess what? It had specific timelines that have been completely missed. Completely missed. Not only that, it was also an agreement that ignored the elected Wet'suwet'en leadership, and didn't in any way, shape, or form address the issues of protests or blockades. And as we've said numerous times, in fact, the Minister of State stood on the side of protesters. So will someone, anyone on that side of the house, take responsibility for the situation we find ourselves in and their complete failure to achieve any resolution at all?
1: Minister Mr. Thanks very
2: much, uh, Mr. Speaker. The former government decided to negotiate solely with the elected chiefs. Our government decided to work with the the proper rights and title holder, as determined by the Supreme Court of Canada. But we are still also trying to engage with the elected chiefs. I have spoken with every single one of them, I believe, or at least attempted to. I'm speaking with Maureen, uh, Chief Lugie, uh, I think later today or certainly this week. I continue to reach out to Chief Nakal of Witset. I continue to try to work with them, just as I'm trying to achieve unity. But ultimately, that's for the Whitsawitan people to do. That nation has to figure it out. We've provided resources to help them on that journey. We are going to work with the federal government to implement the MOU that was signed. Perhaps the members have forgotten that there was a few problems over the last year that might have been one of the reasons for the delay that, I agree, has occurred. Yes, the timelines have been missed, but COVID had something to do with that. The ability to negotiate on Zoom is not exactly easy or effective, Mr. Members. Speaker. This work, as the member has acknowledged, is complex. We don't deny it, but it's necessary. It's necessary if we are going to come to final reconciliation with Indigenous peoples across this province. We are doing the hard work. The federal government has joined with us. We intend to continue that work because British Columbians demand that
1: we do so. Member for Sandwich North and Islands.
4: Hey, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Specklebelly lichen grow in old-growth trees in B.C.'s coastal rainforests. Eleven years ago, it was assessed by the Committee on the Status of Endangered Wildlife in Canada as a species of special concern. This classification is, in essence, an amber alert, a signal that human activity is seriously threatening the survival of the species. We don't have our own species-at-risk legislation in British Columbia, but in 2017, our province signed a management plan allowing the federal government to take steps to ensure the survival of speckle bellied lichen on B.C.'s west coast. This plan commits to maintaining, quote, all known extant populations uh, of this species. That means taking biodiversity into account in our forest management decisions. Last fall, I asked the Minister of Forest Lands and Natural Resources how she will protect uh, biodiversity in forestry when it's not included as an objective in the new forestry legislation. Through your honourable speaker to the minister, in the fall, uh, the minister told me that believes biodiversity will be protected despite not being in the legislation. Now that the law has passed, how can we count on it to protect valuable? Can we count on it to protect valuable populations such as the speckled belly lichen?
1: Minister of Forests and Lands.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I thank the member for the question. And, and I recognize his passion about the issue with the speckle belly. And I know we, uh, my staff are working with him and, and uh, his folks on that issue because we know how important it is. and We know how important it is to the people of, of the province. We know how important the uh, biodiversity is to the people of the province and the ecosystem in the forests. And, and That is why we are committed to it. That's why we have committed to it. That's why we are committed to uh, ensuring that we are going to um, L- look at all 14 recommendations of the Old Growth Strategic Review, which includes the incredible biodiversity of our forests, ensuring that we are saving that. We are moving forward with that and working every day to ensure we're doing just that.
4: Member for Sandwich, North Island, supplemental. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And of course, the speckled belly lichen is just one of many species in our province that are uh, endangered or have a threat of being extirpated. Uh, The minister uh, committed in in the debate last fall at committee stage that the amended forestry legislation would indeed protect biodiversity, even though biodiversity is not mentioned uh, in the legislation. We're hearing from First Nations and scientists that uh, endangered species in our province uh, do not have the level of protections uh, that's needed. The First Nations Leadership Council recently uh, passed a resolution calling on the provincial government to enact a new law for biodiversity and ecosystem health. They've advocated directly to the minister uh, and her colleague, the Minister of Environment and Climate Change, uh, on this. At the same time as that advocacy was ongoing, logging in uh, TfL 46, uh, where one of the uh, few remaining extant populations of old-growth speckle belly lichen was being extirpated, was ongoing there. Through the hon. Speaker, to the Minister of Environment and Climate Change Strategy, despite his colleague's commitments last fall. We continue to see this government's uh, management practices threaten endangered species. Will the minister finally listen to First Nations and scientists and advocates and table our own species-at-risk legislation or biodiversity legislation? Minister of Forests and Lands.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And, and I just want the member to know um, one of the issues that we are dealing with with First Nations is, is working together with them on issues of biodiversity and ecosystem health. Um, we are working with them when it comes to the old growth uh, uh, deferrals by saying to them, you know, what issues are in your traditional territories because that's what's really important, working with the rights and title holders in their traditional territory to ensure that we are looking at the biodiversity, the ecosystem health of those areas. And Those nations have come forward. And, and they've been very clear about areas that they want to make sure are deferred, areas they feel have already been deferred and have already been working on those areas. We are really respecting and, and, and using and working with those nations to ensure that we can do that across the province because we recognize the importance of this issue.
1: Member for Caribou North.
6: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. There's a pattern here. We have a minister that repeats, stands up, says we're going to do this, but then doesn't follow through with any sort of action. So, Under this government and under this minister, we are seeing that companies are cutting production, they're moving production, and they're actually investing in production outside of this province. This minister said that she would have workers' backs. Surrey-based Teal Jones describes the complete disarray, saying, and I quote, that uncertainty and repeated failure of B.C. government to follow their own rules unless ordered to by the courts was what compelled Teal Jones to invest in mills where they are more reliable and predictable, end quote. Under this minister, you have increased uncertainty. It has increased in loss of jobs. You have stood in this house and you have said Through that the you Chair, have Member. workers' Through the um, backs. Will the minister stop and actually talk to workers, First Nations, and employers about building up an industry, and instead of shipping those jobs down south?
1: Minister.
5: Well, thank you mr speaker and i thank the member for the question and, and i don't think i need to remind her that under uh, her government's watch 30,000 people lost their jobs and you say here we go the member opposite says uh, you know that the acting house leader says here we go as if it meant nothing to those people nothing to those workers well, we are doing something. We are making sure, we are making sure, unlike the opposition, we are not abandoning workers. We are ensuring that impacted workers and communities are provided the supports that they need. And we are bringing together coordinated and, and comprehensive supports for workers, for communities, First Nations. We've, we've put out an initial $19 million for this fiscal year. This fiscal year, and the member laughs, $19 million is significant for those workers who could potentially be losing their jobs. We're providing supports.
1: Members, members will come to order. Members, minister will continue.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We are providing those supports. We are providing supports till the end of this fiscal year, and we will provide supports after. And it's interesting that they talk about the, um, the uh, investments because there's been considerable investments in this province, which they seem to forget about because they didn't have much investments in the province when they were government. So. You know, despite their rhetoric, uh, we're, they might be surprised to learn that uh, investments in forestry have increased by over 30 percent under our government, and, and the latest numbers—and these are Stats Canada, these aren't my numbers, these are Stats Canada, so hopefully the members will take those to heart—the latest numbers show that the uh, annual private sector investments are up by over $500 million. Since 2016. Five hundred million.
1: <laughs> Member for uh, Caribbean North.
6: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, perhaps the Minister would like to talk to uh, some of the workers and small businesses that are here in the gallery today. I wonder if they have been able to access any of these investments that the Minister talks about. I wonder if the Minister has actually gone out and talked to communities and found out how workers are actually accessing these funds that the Minister likes to talk about. All talk, no action. I've heard this minister rise in this House before and repeat the same notes in hers. But let's be clear, under the BC Liberals and under the BC Jobs Plan, the four sectors saw an addition of 10,000 jobs, all of which we've seen lost under the NDP. (laughs) And this minister just seems to be warming up. She stands up, she says, I'll be there for workers, and meantime, I've talked to the workers and I can share with the minister that they're deeply troubled by what this government is doing and the impact it is having. In the gallery today, we have Bill Dumont, Rona Doucette and Bob Brash, and they're hoping for answers, Mr. Speaker. They're hoping for some assistance, not just talking points. Bob Brashes with the Truck Loggers Association, who wants to work with this government to create jobs, support workers, their families, and support the environment. But the NDP isn't listening. Instead, they have, and I quote, set in motion an unprecedented level of uncertainty and concern that is already having a significant impact on those whose livelihoods are at stake without information about what is next, end quote. Will the minister match her words with actions, pause her scheme, and actually work with groups to create a future for forestry in British Columbia instead of sending those jobs south to Louisiana?
1: Minister of Forests and Lands.
5: Uh Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And just to clarify for the record, the majority of the jobs went to Louisiana under their jurisdiction, not ours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we have been talking to workers we have been talking to industry we have been talking to unions we've been talking to people and i've i've spent some time talking to bob brash as well and the people in his organization and we are working with them and that because of that input we have received from them we are putting the supports in place in case they lose their jobs in case they want to remanufacture their their equipment in case they want to look at new opportunities we are providing them those opportunities you know and i, I will remind the member this is not my Scheme. This is done because of the old growth strategic review, which I'm pretty sure members opposite support it. If I forget, I mean, if they didn't support it, we need to know. Do they not support all 14 recommendations of the old growth strategic review, which is what we are doing right now, which is what we are working (laughs) towards. I mean if the members don't support that the members opposite if you do not support the old growth strategic review then you should stand up and say so because we know that there could be impacts
1: so members. we are
5: putting tens of of jobs are being lost.
1: members
5: so the member says tens of thousands of jobs and the member is absolutely wrong absolutely wrong absolutely. Absolutely. Suppo-
1: Members will come to order now.
5: We have supports in place, and we will have further supports in place. Stay tuned.
1: Member for Carrie buchel
7: well Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, by the minister's own account, she has admitted that there will be thousands of jobs lost under these plans. Working people like Tamara Megat and Henry Mackelson, right up above you in the gallery, are representing people working in mills or in the bush, and they're worried about the lack of direction from the NDP. Employers are expressing their concern with the high costs and instability created by the NDP by moving investments to other jurisdictions. First Nations are also confused as to what the plan is. Chief. Bill Williams of the B.C. First Nations Forestry Council says, and I quote, Mr. Speaker, This seems like a box-ticking exercise by the government. B.C. rammed through significant changes to the forestry legislation through Bills 23 and 28 without any meaningful First Nation participation. Mr. Speaker, damning words from First Nations leadership in this province. This government lacks a plan to secure a strong forest industry. Will the minister actually talk to the people that are directly impacted by this and work with them? Minister.
5: Thank you Mr. Speaker and you know, we have been talking to people since 2017, and I appreciate that there's members in the gallery here today. And I also want to acknowledge that they—they had—they were going to have a, a big rally here in front of the legislature, and—and and they let me know that they decided not to do it out of respect for the people of Victoria, because they said they thought they'd had enough with honking horns and and uh, people protesting. So. So I want to thank them for that consideration because I, I know, but I know how important this is to them. I know the passion they feel about this because I too uh, went through. I live in a forestry town, and I too went through seeing the loss of jobs under the previous government and saw absolutely no support for the people that worked in the forest industry. You know, I saw people who lost their jobs. I saw people who had to move. I don't know how many people I know in our in the Kootenays alone that had to move to Alberta. To get work, and are finally starting to come back home. So I know what it feels like. But we are not going to abandon these workers. We are there for them. Members. So we know that we have 19 million dollars for this year. That members, that people that feel that they are being, that have issues with anything to do with their employment under issues that are affected by the old growth strategic review that they will be able to retrain for jobs, they will be able to look at jobs. We are looking at—you know, one of the programs that we introduced under former Minister Doug Donaldson was the Bridging to Retirement. It was oversubscribed. Oversubscribed, Mr. Speaker. So we are also doing that. And there are people who are already coming forward. And the reason you know what's interesting, they're coming forward because they want to bridge to retirement so younger people can continue to work, which is what is happening. And I want to give kudos to those people who said, we're ready to retire, we need some help to bridge, we're going to do that. And I want to thank the Minister of Labour for the work they're doing on this. We have considerable supports in place and we'll have more supports in place. Stay tuned.
1: Member for Caribou Chilcotin, Supplemental.
7: Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. All the flowery language from the minister isn't going to put food on the table of forest workers in this province. The minister seems to be completely ignoring one simple fact, Mr. Speaker, and that is no one thinks her plan is a good one. Telling workers like the ones in the gallery today to just trust us doesn't work anymore, Mr. Speaker. Employers want certainty and stability and are going elsewhere to find it. First Nations want real consultation and partnerships, not box-ticking by the NDP. Will the minister admit that making it up as she goes along simply isn't working anymore? Minister.
5: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I, I just—I want to. Maybe the members didn't hear. Um, we just recently announced a, a agreement between the Nanawakalis, which is four nations, and Western Forest Products, uh, where they agreed to defer um, critical biological eco- uh, old-growth forest within their area on, on Vancouver Island. Working together, working together, they were able to mitigate any job losses, any job losses. <laughs> We have also been talking to Indigenous nations who say they are looking forward to ensuring that their members are more engaged in the forest industry if they aren't already, or if they are, to continue to be engaged in the forest industry. But what they also said, they also said, Mr. Speaker, they are really looking forward to working with their neighbours and the communities they're in, working with the existing people that are working in the forest industry, working with loggers, working with truck loggers from Bob Brash's organization, working with people like Tamara and her family so that they can work together. Work together so, you, so Indigenous nations get a fair share of our forest industry. So workers, communities, people in this province get a fair share of our, of our forest industry. <laughs> Sorry, I can't quite remember the word the member used, but I think he said it sounded like peanuts or something. We are spending 19 million dollars just in this thing. Did you just say whoop de Sorry, sorry. <laughs> the member from Kamloops said whoop de doo We are investing 19. We are investing 19 million House dollars leader. to support people to ensure they have jobs. Something that member knows nothing about because they didn't do it.